Last week, we talked about all these different actions, and I was at lunchtime, and someone said, so you were talking about bowing of your head, so. I'm like, what do you mean, so? No, on the, on the overhead, you were talking about bowing of your head, so, but you never said, so what? And I'm like, so? What are you talking about? This is a person bowing their head. This is a head, and this is their back, and this is their legs. Oh, we're going around the table and I'm like, what are you talking about? And they're like, what are you talking about? And you know, we just see things differently. I didn't even hear what you said, Dana, it's fine. Um, I think that that, that that really has a sermon in itself. We're about to engage our extended family. And some of us see a, uh, someone bowing their head and someone else sees so. Neither one of us are against each other. We're for each other. Sometimes we let the dumbest things get in our way. And I want to encourage you to walk in there ready to forgive. Don't be ready to forgive. Go ahead and forgive. Forgive before you get in there. Not because what they did to you was, was right. Not because what they did to you is okay for them to continue to do. But because Jesus forgave you. Because of what God did for you. Not because of what they did to you. What God did for you. Right now. Right where you sit, start that battle now. And you're going to show up and you're going to have victory. Maybe it's not going to be what you think. Don't worry about what you think. Let God do the work. Let the supernatural kick in. But you do the natural and you forgive. And you get through this holiday season with success. And realize some people see so and some people don't. Those that don't see so and see the bowing of the heads are the good people, but you know. (laughs) Forgive, forgive. All right, but we're not talking about the bowing of your head. We're talking about, now let me define this. This is a person, this is the head. (laughs) These are the arms and the legs and the body. And this is a stick person raising their hands. Yeah. Lifting up your hands. Let's go back. Bowing your head. Lifting up your hands. (laughs) How many of you have ever tried to teach something and they're just on a completely different page? You know what? You got to get on the same page. So. It's also used in sozo. So, all right, all right, raising up our hands, raising up our hands, let's go. First scripture, y'all behave. All right, Psalm 141, Lord, I cry out to you, make haste to me, give ear to my voice when I cry out out to you. Let my prayer be set before you as incense, the lifting of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Let's stop. Father, in Jesus' name, speak directly to our hearts this morning. Let us put down any any religion, any worldly thing that may get in our way, any argument, any 
confusion, any challenge that we have, Lord, we set aside right now and ask you, Holy Spirit, to speak into our hearts today. Let your word come alive and be fruitful in us. Lord, let us hear it in a way that we can walk this thing out now. In Jesus' name, amen. I cry out to you, make haste to me. Give ear to my voice when I cry out to you. Let my prayer be set before you as incense, the lifting of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Next time you feel like during worship, keeping your hands jammed in your pockets or hanging on to your purse during, during worship, I want you to remember Elijah the prophet. In 1 Kings chapter 18, Elijah alone faced 950 prophets of Baal and Azra in a showdown by fire in front of the men of Israel. 1 Kings chapter 18. Do you remember this? It's when he, uh, it's when he had the prophets of Baal come out and try to call down their God. And then he was going to call down his God. And we're going to see who really is God. Do you remember the story? And even Elijah just started dumping water on his, on his offering. I'm going to dump water. No, that's not enough. Let's dump some more water. No, that's not enough. Let's dump some more water until there was actually puddles. Water all over the place. You remember the story? Elijah. It says, and when midday was passed, they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. Everybody say evening sacrifice. But there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. So all the people came near to him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Pastor, what are you talking about? This has nothing to do with raising of the hands. I'm glad you asked. Elijah waited to rebuild the altar of the Lord until the time of the evening sacrifice. It didn't matter to him that there were lunatic prophets of false gods raving and waving. And they even started cutting themselves all day long, all day long. They're out here throwing a fit, trying to call down their deaf and dumb idols to, to do something. But Elijah was expecting something to take place at the evening sacrifice. He had expectation of what God was going to do. Now, I want you to know that me, me as your pastor, my wife and I, my deacon board, my, the leadership, the pastors of this church, we all, I come into this place on Sunday morning with expectation. Not that the sermon's going to be great, not that the music's going to be great, but that God is going to do something great in your life. God knows what's going on in your life. I was praying in the room over here beside the, beside the sanctuary before service, and we have no impact on changing your life. God does. But we do have impact on being obedient. We do have impact on being obedient and coming before God and doing his word and him being required by his word to come. There are things that we can do that requires God to move. And I come in here every Sunday morning with expectation that your need, no matter how small, no matter how big, is going to be met. Elijah came with expectation, knowing that at the evening sacrifice, God was going to move. Now, as Greg said, and we're going to see too, when you raise your hands, we're going to see that it is going to play a part in the supernatural 
that we can expect God to move. And Christy Mueller, I don't know if you were in here, but I come with great expectation of the evening sacrifice that's going to be given tonight. There is a great sacrifice being prepared for the Lord for tonight. And I believe God is going to do something great. I want to encourage you to come. Come. Because you expect God to do something great. Why should you come to church on Sunday mornings? Not because the music's great. Not because of the sermon. But because God is great. And no matter the sermon, no matter the music, God is great. And when we come with expectation of Him, in obedience to His Word, He is going to move. He is going to move. The evening sacrifice. The bottom line is that we should expect to see God descend in His glory in response to our gift. The psalmist wrote, we just read this in Psalm 141. This is a little bit different translation. May my prayer be counted as incense before thee, the lifting of my hands as the evening sacrifice. In Numbers chapter 18, the Lord tells Moses something peculiar concerning the priestly tribe of the Levites. I want you to catch this about the evening sacrifice. Set apart to serve God in priestly worship, the tribe, the Levite tribe, owned no land, operated no businesses, and farmed no land. Instead, they were supported by the tithe, the 10% given by the other 11 tribes of Israel. And God told Moses to tell the Levites, look right here in Numbers, you shall present the offering from it to the Lord, a tithe of a tithe. Your offering shall be reckoned to you as the grain from the threshing floor or the full produce from the wine vat. Now hang in there with me. The Levites are receiving a tenth as their way of being able to live, right? And God is saying, I want you to give a tenth of that tenth. And by you giving that tenth of a tenth, I'm going to count it as though it's coming from the full produce. It's not, God's not counting it as a tenth. He's counting their one percent of that tenth that they're giving as though they were, as though it, he's, they're going to receive the blessing as though it were a hundred percent. Can y'all see that? He's telling the, the tribe, I will count your one percent tithe offering as though it were the entire grain offering from the whole threshing floor or the full produce taken from the wine press. Now, if we go back to David's prayer when he said, let the lifting of my hands be as the evening sacrifice. You know what he was saying? He's saying that in your heart and in your mind, God, let the lifting of my hands be no different than the evening sacrifice. You must know that God has placed in our hands, what we have to offer, and, and you know, we come with so little to offer, but what we do have to offer has great meaning, has great significance in the kingdom. When we come together to take communion and we take grape juice and bread, it is not grape juice and bread that we're taking, it is the body of Christ that we're taking. 
What David is saying here is that, Lord, when I lift my hands, see this as an offering to you, Lord, and bless me according to that offering. We count that as the evening sacrifice. What does that mean for us? If we can overcome our awkwardness and pride to lift our hands in true praise and worship to God, then He will leverage and increase the value. He will leverage or increase the value and impact that worship exponentially. Do you see that God can take anything that He wants and make it into whatever He wants? That He can take a tenth of the tenth. He can take whatever little thing I can offer and make it as big as He desires. Do you see how impactful little O me and little O you is when we're obedient to His Word? Psalm 69, verse 29 says, But I am afflicted and in pain. May your salvation, O God, set me securely on high. I will praise the name of God with song, and I will magnify him with thanksgiving. And it will please the Lord better than an ox or a young bull with horns and hooves. The humble have seen it and are glad. You who seek God, let your heart revive, for the Lord hears the needy and does not despise he who are prisoners. When you offer something to God, when you are offering God thanksgiving, according to Scripture, you are offering Him a better sacrifice than a burnt bull. The praise and worship of your lips are your sacrifices. Your bulls, your meal offerings, your first fruits. They don't replace your financial giving because it's still a part of God's requirement for his disciples. But the sincere words of your lips are of great value to God. The Apostle Peter wrote to the churches in 1 Peter chapter 2. And coming to him a living stone which has been rejected by men, but it is choice and but is choice and precious in the sight of God, you also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. When you enter into worship, you're offering spiritual sacrifices that are just as real to God as literal sacrifices of bullocks, of oxen as heifers, of rams as goats. Do you know that God used those things in order to forgive the nations? He used those things in order to set the people right before God. And our actions, our praise, and our worship serve the same way. God sees it as a sacrifice to Him that He is going to bless when we bless him with thanksgiving, when we raise our hands, when we clap our hands, when we shout, when we move by faith. And you know, when most people say, when most people say spiritual, they're thinking something that's not real. The truth is, is that the spiritual is more real than the natural. 
the spiritual realm is going to last a lot longer than natural things. And you know what God says about the spiritual sacrifices that we make to Him? They are acceptable to Him. Our spiritual sacrifices, it says, are acceptable to God. Why did David pray about the lifting of his hands? I believe that the things that we do have so much more meaning than we could ever dream. Even if we did a quick survey of Scripture about the lifting of the hands in Scriptures, I think it would turn up some real sacrifices. You know, the lifting of the hands is associated with an oath. You know, when you go to court, what do they have you do? Why? Even the court acknowledges the meaning of the hand. School teachers acknowledge the hand. It has meaning. It is a, it is a child speaking without speaking, which teachers love. It's also humbling. It's also a positioning of a child below a teacher. Of saying, you are in charge. A child would probably not even, would never say it, you're in charge. They think they're in charge. They spend their whole life in school realizing they're not in charge, battling whether they're in charge. But when you raise your hand, you're saying, I'm not in charge. You're in charge. And I would like to speak if I could speak. David prayed about the lifting of the hands. Scripture shows it's like, it, it, it has a part in taking oaths. Did I go too far? Let's go back. It says, But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord God most high, the possessor of heaven and earth. Ezekiel chapter 20 says, Thus says the Lord, On the day when I chose Israel and raised my hand in oath to the descendants of the house of Jacob and made myself known to them in the land of Egypt, I raised my hand in oath to them, saying, I am the Lord your God. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. I desire, therefore, that men pray, that the men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Sometimes when our hands are lifted up, we are saying to God, God, I believe you're going to do what I'm praying that you would do. I am acknowledging who you are. I am in great need, and I am telling you that because I really believe you're going to meet my need. It takes a whole other step for me to pray than for me to pray and raise my hands. In fact, sometimes I'll do that and I'll feel kind of embarrassed. I, I will walk around this church and pray and sometimes I'll lift my hands. And I wonder who all on 111 is watching me do that. And what are they thinking about me? And then I realize I don't care. But Satan's all the time trying to talk you out of it. Why? Because there's war going on. For you, for your marriage, for your church, for our nation, there's war going on. And Satan wants you to keep your hands in your pocket because he knows once the hands go up, he's in trouble. He knows that something is happening in our hearts and in our minds that's saying, I can't do it. And God, you can I believe what I'm about to ask you to do, God. 
Lord, I pray that you would move in this church body, that this weekend, that this week would be a great week, that those that are falling short and that are hurting so bad this Christmas season, that, Lord, that you would meet that need, that those that are hurting in their mind, that those that are hurting in their household, Lord, that you would bring comfort and peace, and, Lord, that a miracle would show would show up in their home because you are there and because I'm asking you to, God. When Moses stood on the banks of the Red Sea, when the Israelites and Pharaoh were close behind, do you remember when, when the Israelites were being delivered after the ten plagues on Egypt and the Israelites were escaping and they came to the water and there was nowhere to go and here comes the enemy behind and all of a sudden the people start grumbling, oh Moses, you brought us out here to die? And here Moses stands in front of the water. Exodus chapter 14 verse 15 says, and the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry out to me? Tell the children of Israel, go forward, but lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the seas and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry land through the midst of the sea. Was there, any, was there some magic potion in his rod? No. Was there something funny going on in his hand? No. Did God need the move of faith to happen for him to be able to part that? Yes, he did. He works through us. He works through us. God needs you to raise your hands and call on him. We call. He answers. We ask. He gives. We raise our hands, and the waters part. Why? Because they have to. They don't know any different. They have to. Watch that in front of you. Get your hands in the air. And speak to that thing. You separate, and you get out of my face. Get behind me, Satan. The outstretched hand is a biblical statement and a symbol and power of divine authority. Your upraised hand speaks about what you expect God to do. Do you think when, when Moses raised up that rod and raised up his hands, do you think he thought something was going to happen? I think all the people didn't. But he did. He's just seen everything that's happened. Why wouldn't he do it now? God, you just said to raise my rod. Okay. That's all God needs. Enough faith to raise your hands. Doesn't have to be any more faith than that. Just enough faith to raise your hand. It says all it takes is the faith of a mustard seed. But with your hands in your pockets, the seed, the seed doesn't split. Your upraised hand speaks about what you expect God to do in response to your faith. The psalmist wrote hundreds of years ago about the day that Moses extended his hand over the sea. It says that the sea looked and fled. The world, creation, knows when God is moving. The sea looked and fled. 
I think that's an awesome statement. <laughs> when Moses stretched out his hands, I want to go back. I love this scripture because in the, in the, New Liv, in the Living Translation, it says, right there, why do you cry out to me? It says, stop praying, forward march. There is a time to pray, but there's also a time to get up and move. God's not saying don't pray to me anymore. No, we've prayed and prayed and prayed. Now the waters are parted. Get up and walk through the dry ground. Why do you cry out to me? Tell the children of Israel to move. I believe the Lord is telling you, move. God has paid every price for you. It is time to walk forward. Hallelujah. To all appearances to the world, he just extended his rod. But the greater reality is that he was determining the outcome of a crisis. When he held up his hands with uh, the help of Aaron and Hur, do you remember that? When there was a battle going on down in, the, down in the valley and Moses was standing up on the mountain and as long as his hands were up in the air, the tribe of Israel won the battle. But whenever his arms went down, they started losing. Do you not think there is some type of supernatural power going on with your hands being in the air? Yes. Everybody say yes. yes. There is battle going on. And we've got to keep our hands in the air. When he held his hands up, it probably looked pretty silly. But the greater reality was that he was determining the outcome of a battle. I think many Christians don't realize how much they are determining something beyond their scope and understanding through their obedience. And as for me, the highest form of worship is obedience. Do you hear that? The highest form, of, the, the highest way for me to show God that I truly love him is by my obedience. It, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me. When someone says, let's just lift our hands before him. Is it possible that just the simple act of raising your hands, like Greg said, enables God to do something as powerful as he did when Joash shot the arrow out of the window toward the east. Do you remember when Elisha commanded him to shoot the arrows out and it said every time he shot, there would be victory? To the world, it would, he would look like an idiot shooting an arrow out his window. But to God, he was saying, there will be victory. And I will see to it that there will be victory. Outwardly, this action appeared to be foolish, but it accomplished a victory. Sometimes when you most need to raise your hands, though, and when you're impressed by the Holy Spirit to raise them, you have something that comes along and says, don't do it. That little voice talking to you is the adversary. He doesn't want you to raise your hands because in reality, the moment you raise your hands, you are saying, in your face, Satan. In your face. And frankly, Satan does not want God or God's anointed in his face. Isaiah chapter 13, verse 2, and I'll cl close with this. It says, raise a banner on a bare hilltop. Shout to them. Beckon to them to enter the gates of the nobles. Raise a banner. In modern times, God is saying, look, if you don't like what's going on in your neighborhood, 
Get out and lift your hands before me. Get out and lift your hands before me. The lifting of your hands is a victory flag. Let the lifting of your hands be the same as when Moses lifted up his rod over the battlefield and watched God's people win against, the, uh, against Amalek. And you know, during that battle, there were two battles going on in that story. There was the actual battle going on down in the battlefield, and there was the one going on on the hilltop with Moses and the two beside him, Aaron and Hur. As long as Moses' hands were raised, the people of God won. As long as the hands dropped, the fortunes of Israel uh, dropped. Why? Because as long as Moses' hands were up, God fought for Israel. As long as Moses' hands were up, God fought for Israel. Men, husbands, as long as your hands are up before the Lord, God will fight for your family. But we've got to get our hands up. Our hands up in worship, our hands up in surrender, our hands up in great expectation for what God has in store for us. And our hands up knowing that what we are facing and that Satan trying to enter in is not part of our deal. That he needs to go. And that our only way of getting rid of him is by God. And God, you fight my battle. You call me to go pick up the stones. You call me to be ready. You call me to sling that stone at Goliath. I will sling that stone. But God, I expect you to nail that sucker in the head. Knock him down and I'll go chop his head off. I can't do it without you. I'll miss every time. After the battle, Moses built an altar of remembrance to, the, to God and called it Jehovah Nisi. You are the God, my banner. Every time we extend our obedience beyond our thoughts into physical action, we are moved from self-consciousness to God-consciousness. And we are ready to worship. Amen. Amen. Y'all stand up with me if y'all don't mind. Father, you have called us to worship. You have created us to worship. You've put it down deep in all of us to worship. But you are waiting for us to make a choice. And Lord, today I choose to worship. I acknowledge how badly I need you. I acknowledge how badly our church needs you. I acknowledge how badly our nation needs you. And I ask you, Lord, to bring, us, bring remembrance. Let us remember when our school system starts to, starts to struggle, when our children start to struggle, when our marriages start to struggle. That, Lord, that we would come and we would help each other raise our hands and get our hands up and that you would fight that battle. Lord, we acknowledge that you are our God and that how great need we are of you. But I also acknowledge that, Lord, you are faithful. 
You are great, and there is nothing that stands in front of us that you cannot help us get through. We just bless your holy name. You may be here today, and you may say, Pastor, I've never made that first step of just receiving Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Would you do that today? Would you just pray a prayer, just saying, Lord God, I acknowledge that I can't do this on my own, that I've made so many mistakes, and I just ask you to forgive me. And Jesus, this day, I just make you my Lord and my Savior, my King. I acknowledge that you died on the cross for my sins, that you were raised from the dead after the third day. Jesus, you are my God. Come into my heart and save me. You may be here today and you may say, Pastor, I've walked away. Well, it's time to walk back. Get your hands back in the air and walk back. No more trying to clean yourself up. It's time to let God clean you. Would you step out and renew your decision that you made years ago? You may be here today and you just need prayer. Family's falling apart. Your finances are falling apart. Your health is falling apart. Your life is falling apart. I want you to know that God... God can meet your need. God can restore your marriage. God can restore your finances. God is a restorer. He's a redeemer. Would you just trust today and step out? Let's pray together. Those that are praying with me, we're just going to sing. I just want to encourage you as as the band worships, worship the Lord. Give him just a little bit more. What have you got to offer? Let's offer it.